Today's scripture is found in the book of Luke, starting at chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their unrighteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Good morning. Glad you're with us today, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us at home online. uh, We hope that you're blessed through the service and enjoy the the great weather we have. Today we are continuing a sermon series that we kicked off a few weeks ago uh, with a sermon series entitled Adventures in Missing the Point. And the sermon series is based in one of the four Gospels, depending upon the week, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're looking at the interactions between Jesus and And this first century group of religious leaders known as the Pharisees. And and in these interactions, we see Jesus teaching something, uh, doing something, pointing them something out, doing contrast, things like that. And and the Pharisees, whether it's willful ignorance or hard heartedness or or thick headedness, they just miss the point. They seem to miss the point. And on occasions when they do understand what Jesus is trying to say, uh, what he's trying to do, um, they they, they get angry, they get frustrated, they don't like it at all, and they begin to plot against Jesus, cause trouble for him, and eventually it leads Jesus to the cross. Now, when we read about the Pharisees or we hear about the Pharisees, we often kind of caricaturize them, you know, in our minds. We, we exaggerate their, their negative features, and, and they did have some pretty notable flaws. Uh, but when we do that, we can end up missing the point ourselves because they had a, they had a lot in common With a lot of us today, they were religious people. If the doors of the synagogues were open, they were there. They were spiritual leaders. They prayed a lot. They were faithful givers. They knew the scripture as well. They um, uh, were known for their ethics or morality, their faithfulness to, to God and to their spouses. They were educated people. And if you would have done a survey on the street back in Jesus' day and asked, What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of Pharisee? A lot of people probably would have said spiritual or religious or leaders or righteous. Righteous meaning that they were right with God due to their lifestyle and their religiosity. So how did these people, how did they miss the point? Well, so far we've seen that they missed the point because they would often focus on the on the letter of the law to the exclusion of the spirit of the law. They would value keeping their rigid interpretation of the law, the law being the first five books of the Old Testament, the law of Moses. They would value keeping their rigid interpretation of the law over caring for people, which led them into hypocrisy. And we see that they would sometimes use the scriptures to control people and exclude the people Because they would read the law with an eye for information, for knowledge, rather than a desire to be transformed by it. And when they did this, they missed the point, which was to connect them to the author and giver 
of the Word, God himself. You know, something I've been doing with my wife the past uh, couple of months, uh, maybe once or twice a week, depending on the week, is we've been watching episodes of, of Downton Abbey. And some of you guys are like, oh, no, now my wife's going to want to watch Downton Abbey with me. Uh, but um, it's, it's, it, I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been fun. Something she's seen before, and she said, we've got to watch this. It's really good. And, and it's, it's, if you don't know about it, it's a period drama set in the early 1900s, focused on this, this uh, family of British nobles called the Crawleys. And they live in this huge mansion on this vast estate, their ancestral home. And they live a life of, of incredible privilege. And, and the writers draw these contrasts and these storylines between the, the privileged Crawleys and, and all their servants, the help, you know, the, the valets, the butlers, the cooks, the maids, the footmen, all those things. And all these people live under the same roof, but they have very, very different lives. And this period in England was one of tremendous social upheaval and change, particularly around World War I. Women began to get the vote. They became more independent. Um, the, the working class and lower class, they began to have more options in life. They could speak for themselves. You know, they could... They could make choices about what they wanted to do with their lives. And the show really is a microcosm of what was going on in England and much of, of Europe at the day, in that day. And one of the things that stands out right away when I started watching it is, is the rigid social hierarchy. People are born into a certain station in life, and that is their lot. Very few are socially mobile. With notable exceptions, people born uh, into privilege, they saw themselves above certain things and above certain people. They might be kind, they might be compassionate, they might be good moral people, but when push comes to shove, their, their attitudes are revealed. By virtue of birth and breeding, they are superior. Now this attitude, of course, was not the property only of, of English nobility a hundred years ago. For, for most of human history, society has been ordered into haves and have-nots with those who are considered superior and those who are considered inferior. And, 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 and uh, this isn't, wasn't based in history upon one's only family tree or net worth. It was also upon nationality, upon race or gender. And yes, even religion was used and still is used to sort and categorize people in Jesus' day, it certainly was, as we're going to see in the passage that Sonia just read. Now, before we jump into our passage for today, Luke, who was a Gentile, a non-Jew, he was also a physician and a historian, he sets the stage for us earlier in Luke. You know, each, each gospel has a little bit different emphasis as you read through them. You'll notice that some of them record certain events and sayings of Jesus, and they're not included in others, and vice versa. Um, and one of the things unique to the book of Luke is that he includes the most parables, by far, the most parables of all the Gospels. And he mentions a lot of interactions between the Pharisees and Jesus. For example, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Uh, his friends go to great trouble to bring him to Jesus. They cut a hole in the roof, they lower him down because the, cr the crowd's so big, and Jesus heals this man. And then Jesus says something shocking. He says, because of your faith, I forgive your sins. And the Pharisees are there. <clears throat> and they begin to think to themselves, it says, <clears throat> paraphrasing, who does this guy think <clears throat> that he is? <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, in Luke 5, Jesus asks a tax collector to follow him and become one of his disciples. 
And then Jesus eats at this tax collector, Levi's house, where it says there's a huge crowd of tax collectors. I mean, who's going to associate with tax collectors? Other tax collectors, right? And the Pharisees, again, don't like this. They complain to Jesus' disciples, saying, in a sense, who is this guy? Who does he think that he is? Doesn't he know that you should not eat with tax collectors and sinners? The implication, of course, is that good, righteous people don't associate with certain types of people. And again and again in Luke, these types of encounters keep happening. The Pharisees complain because Jesus heals on the Sabbath. They criticize him because of who he associates with. They try to trick him and trap him and discredit him, but he keeps turning the tables on them, and he uses these parables to expose their hypocrisy, to point them to truth, and they keep missing the point. Or they hear it, and they don't want to receive it. So that background, and let's pick it up in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness... And look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So Luke is referring to the Pharisees, okay? To those who were confident of their own righteousness and to those who looked down on everybody else. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So Jesus sets a stark contrast here. Okay, remember way back in, in Luke 5 how, how angry they are, how frustrated they are because Jesus is associating with a tax collector. In fact, he's called one of them to be his disciple. They they, they despise tax collectors because tax collectors, they were guys who Jewish men who worked for the Roman government, the occupying force. All right. And they would collect outrageously high taxes that Jewish people had to pay just to live in and work in their own country. They were seen as the worst of the worst traders who were enjoying profits off the back of their fellow Jews. It would be like if the U.S. was taken over by a, you know, a foreign country and Americans had to bow down just to survive. Can you imagine the resentment and the frustration and the anger? And then imagine somebody that you go to church with who all of a sudden starts working for the occupiers and is getting richer by doing so at your expense. How would you feel about that person? I mean, tax collectors, they were, they were sellouts. Spiritually speaking, they were, well, any self-respecting Jewish man would not be seen in their company, much less call one to be a disciple. So from the beginning of Jesus' parable, the Pharisees would have been angry being mentioned in the same breath as tax collectors. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I like to think of this like being said in a snobbish British voice, okay? So can you see how tax collectors, they were being viewed? Verse 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So the Pharisee, he's putting forth his spiritual credentials here. He's saying, you know, I, I give a full tithe. That's more than most people. I'm a charitable guy. I'm a philanthropist. And though they're only required to fast once a week, He does it twice. He's a spiritual overachiever. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He couldn't even look God in the eye. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified, made right with God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This would have infuriated the Pharisees. So how do we keep ourselves from missing the point here? It's a question of it's a question of your view of of how you view others and of what you're looking to do. Remember how the parable starts? Jesus said this parable was told for those who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. So these spiritual leaders who knew the law well, who knew God's requirements well, instead of looking to help people spiritually, instead of looking to lift others up, the Pharisees were adding burdens and they were looking down on everybody else, anybody who wasn't one of them. They missed the point, sadly, which is that we miss the point when we look down on others rather than look to lift them up as Jesus Christ himself did. I mean, earlier in, in Luke, in chapter 10, Jesus says this. He said, I came to earth not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In Philippians 2, Paul writes these words about what Jesus looked to do when he came to earth and how he viewed others. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, which is hard to do that when you look down on people. He said, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. And then he goes on to say how even though Christ was equal with God the Father in heaven, he didn't use that for his advantage. He came to earth, became a servant, and humbled himself by going to the cross. And Jesus did all of this, not because he had to. He did all this because of love, because when he would have been completely justified in looking down on us morally and spiritually, he didn't. He did all this so that we could be lifted up with him in new life. So we can miss the point when we look down on others rather than look to lift them up as Jesus did. Now, why did the Pharisees do this? I mean, who did they think they were that they thought they were better than everybody else? Well, by their standards, they were. Their standards were all exterior, all you know, outward appearance and behavior. And they were very good at meeting the standards that they had established. Don't eat these things. Don't associate with those people. Do these religious things consistently and do more than is required. Worship this way. Know the law better than anybody else. So in their minds, they were better and they were proud of it. By their standards, they had good reason to be confident in their success spiritually and in their righteousness. But we miss the point when we place our confidence in the wrong things. When we place our confidence in being a part of a certain church or denomination, when we place our confidence in our you know, good behavior, 
when we place our confidence in our reputation, our accomplishments, our, our achievements, our wealth, our opinions, our lifestyle, when we place our confidence in the wrong things, we will miss the point. Because the only solid foundation that we, that we have for any confidence in this life is Jesus. Maybe you remember the, a parable Jesus taught in the book of Matthew towards the end of his, his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had been speaking on a variety of topics at length and very powerfully. He talked about money and sex and marriage and forgiveness and, and, and honesty and anger and compassion and justice and on and on. And Jesus, Jesus gave, at the end of his sermon, he gave an action step, a takeaway for his listeners And he did so using a parable. And the parable is this. He said there were two men and both of them built houses to live in. One of them um, built it on the rock and one built on the sand. And both men felt good about their houses, felt confident in how they had built their houses and their lives. But a huge storm comes up and there's wind and there's rain. And one man's confidence is justified, validated, and the other's is not. Because one stands firm and one collapses. And Jesus told his listeners at the end of his sermon, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built on the rock. In other words, put your confidence in in my teaching. Put your confidence in me. This is where we have to begin with a foundation if we don't want to miss the point. When we start with any other foundation, we place our confidence in the wrong things, even good things, even perhaps things that we should feel good about and feel proud of. We will invariably get off track and we'll end up missing the point. Next, we miss the point when we decide who is worthy and who is not worthy. In Luke 18, in Jesus' parable, the Pharisee, he makes himself out to be judge and jury the final arbiter and evaluator of worthiness before God. And he does this in two ways. First, he separates himself out physically. It says he stood off by himself, apart from other people. He doesn't want to be associated with, you know, with those people. And then he separates himself out with his words and with his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this, this tax collector. When we engage in spiritual comparisons where we end up always looking better, we're missing the point. When we sort people into categories, you know, good, religious, Christian, hardworking, moral people, the kind of people you want for neighbors, and then you have criminals, corrupt people, people who don't believe, people who commit adultery, people you don't want to be your neighbor, etc. When we sort people into categories, we miss the point of Jesus. We miss the way of Jesus. Now, doesn't mean that there isn't right and wrong. Of course there is. It recognizes that there is a right and wrong, but we are to understand that none of us are worthy. None of us can earn God's favor. That it's all about God's grace and love and mercy, and we are to humble ourselves. We are to humble ourselves because, like this tax collector, and say, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. 
Because as soon as we set ourselves apart from others by our words, our actions, attitudes, as soon as we see ourselves as better, then we're showing that we really don't understand it. We don't get it. We are missing the point. It's not about our worthiness. It's about Jesus' worthiness and placing our confidence in him, which is great news because it means that anybody can be accepted by God through faith in Christ. And that leads us to the last point. We miss the point when we point others to our righteousness instead of to the grace of God. And when this happens, it's tragic because not only does it affect us spiritually, but it affects other people as well. It affects others because they begin to think that's, that's what it's about. It's about how good you are or not. It affects others because they begin to have a distorted view of God, perhaps. When somebody misses the point this way, their actions show that they see God as a, as a stern judge in the sky who weighs our good deeds against our bad and then gives a verdicts. And when people see God that way, they, and they think that's how God operates, well, one of two things can happen. Either they look around and say, hey, I'm, I'm above average. I don't do that. I don't think that. I don't say that. I don't hang with those people. They become full of pride and they make it about, you know, works righteousness. They earn their own way, they think. Or they look around and think, well, I'm toast. I've really, I've really messed up my life. I'm not as good as them. I'm, I'm, I'm in bad shape. And they think, well, what's the point? I can never please God. And so they, they give up on God and or they give up on themselves. When the truth is God has not given up on them. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is, is amazing. And when we point others to God's grace... And when that is our focus, it keeps us humble, gives us perspective, and helps people to see God for who he is. So our um, takeaway action step. To avoid missing the point, try doing this. Focus on your relationship with Jesus rather than trying to impress others. I mean, the Pharisees, they were all about trying to impress people, right? They were charitable givers. They're good, they, were good, they did good deeds. Uh, they had a lot of religious activity. They had a lot of a spiritual religious knowledge. And we have to be careful not to fall into that trap because that's how the world works, right? You list your degrees. You list your achievements. You list your uh, experiences. Um, you want to network with the right people. But it's about Jesus. It's about staying connected to him. It's about putting his words into practice, having his attitude toward others. It's about looking to lift others up and placing our confidence in him, knowing that we are not worthy. But we can be accepted because of his worthiness on our behalf. So rather than using the standards of the world, where we see ourselves as judge and jury, where we elevate ourselves... Make it about grace, make it about mercy, and make it about Jesus so that we do not miss the point. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you for Jesus.
We thank you for the grace and mercy that we can have through faith in him. We thank you for his righteousness that can be assigned to us when we place our confidence in him. Help us, O Lord, to look to elevate people, to lift people up, to have the attitude of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to follow Jesus' example uh, and point people to his grace. We thank you, Father, and we lift ourselves into your keeping, asking for your spirit to correct us and direct us where we start to miss the point. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.